very dehumanizing to us, what we're going through. Water is basic human right. How can we can't have it? Are we expected to live like this for another 25 years or more? That's Chris Monias. He's chief of the Shkandaga First Nation, home to Canada's longest standing boil water advisory. It's now more than 25 years and counting. He's our guest today on the Akamema podcast. Danse, Dewao, and welcome to the Akamemic Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Belgard, National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations. Akamemic is a Plains Cree word for you all persevere, or in other words, let's keep going and don't give up. On this podcast, we discuss the leading issues facing First Nations peoples with top experts, with elders, and community leaders. I've talked a lot on this podcast about the infrastructure gap in this country. On the United Nations Human Development Index, Canada ranks sixth in terms of quality of life, while First Nations people rank 63rd. So it's six versus 63rd. That's the gap. And nothing shows that more clearly than the lack of access to clean water in dozens of First Nations communities. On Tuesday, November 24th, the Assembly of First Nations will be hosting the 2020 Assembly of First Nations Virtual Water Summit. And our next guest will be one of the speakers at that summit. Chris Monias is Chief of the Nishkandaga First Nation, Treaty 9 Territory in Northern Ontario. Last month, his entire community, more than 300 people, had to be evacuated to Thunder Bay when an oily sheen with high levels of hydrocarbon were discovered in the local water supply. And this follows more than 25 years of boil water advisories in the community. When asked what it says that his community is living in these third world conditions, Chief Munias replied, It should say to Canadians that this is not the country you believe it is. Chief Chris Munias joins us now from Thunder Bay. So Chief, welcome to the Akamema Podcast. Uh, thank you, National Chief. I'm uh, glad to be here. I've just uh, finished talking to my nation, my community members. I just gave them a little bit of hope, a little bit of good news today that where we are evacuated to here in Thunder Bay, and uh, we just got word, I argued argued and fought for this, that uh, we have uh, exclusive uh, access to Victorian, so there will be nobody else allowed here in the hotel other than uh, the Nishkanaga First Nation uh, members. So okay. uh, that, that was a little bit of... Uh, Good uh, news we had today, and uh, we continue to uh, push on. Uh, we've been under boiler water advisory, like you said, for about 25 years. I've uh, advised uh, chiefs for the last uh, 20 years, uh, different chiefs, and uh, this is my first term being a chief. And uh, and this is the second time in my term, in my per- my two-year term. i got five months left that I have evacuated my community members to Thunder Bay because of water-related issues, infrastructure-related issues. That is a threat to our public health. So, Chief, right now, describe for our listeners the situation right now with the drinking water in Nishkandaga. Where is it at? When we evacuated, we had the uh, oily sheen in our reservoir that, that feeds the uh, community uh, community houses. And uh, those has been there, there has been multiple tests that are done now, now that uh, there is some progress made, but uh, very, very slow. 
in our thoughts. Initially, we were told uh, we were going to repatriate on uh, November 6th. Then we were told November 12th. Then we were told November 28th. Then we were told no, December 2. Then we were told December 4. Now we are being told December 9th. So it is uh, stressful. It is hard. And uh, my community members want to go home, especially having to evacuate and being here in the middle of a pandemic where the uh, COVID cases are uh, rising. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, uh, we're right in the middle of a, a second wave. I don't know if I can call it a wave. I call it a tsunami because, it's, you know, it's, it's big. And it's going to hit hard. Yeah. And that, that's what we're afraid of. And that's why I push to have exclusive access to the, uh, to the Victorian. Victorian so I can uh, create that a bubble. That must have huge impacts on your elder. Like you evacuate all of your people, all of your citizens from the Shkandaga because there's no water there. They can't drink the water. So you evacuate everybody out to Thunder Bay. And you've got a good job on getting the exclusivity for Victorian for your people. How do the elders and young people cope with this? This is very challenging. Like, how are they coping? It is. It is. Uh, you know, uh, we try to meet them and meet with them. We try to provide uh, mental health services. We try to assure them that, and this is one of the steps. You know, is trying to get trying to create a bubble. When 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 this first started in October eighth, we had to shut down water every night, just to have it recharged because there was a major leak somewhere that we couldn't identify. The contractors tell us there are sixteen leaks in the community. Then I said, okay, let's go uh, plug them. Let's go fix them. And they said, no, we don't know where they are. So how can you tell you have 16 leaks and you can't even tell me where they are? You know, those are some of the uh, crap services we've been getting. Mm. And, uh, and, uh, and, and that's the thing is, you know, uh, community people, when we had to shut our water down, you know, we have this uh, two-way communication system, like, every, like it's a walkie-talkie type system that every, every household has. And they talk and they express their opinions and what they want to, what they want to talk about. And that's how we communicate. And uh, they've always said that, you know, if it ever comes to an evacuation, no, we, we're not going to go. But once this uh, oily scene was found, and uh, while I was trying to work with the uh, with the government to have a response, you know, they've already said, you know, we have to get out of here. Because when we were told that when they took the samples, we were told that they're not going to come back until uh, 10 days' time. And they had to do... Uh, Another sample, follow-up sample, and another follow-up sample. So you're looking at days and days and days. And so they didn't want to go without water, said, and uh, they didn't want to evacuate because of the pandemic. Now, 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 they, they had to uh, say, you know, we have to get out of here. We don't want to live without water. We're not going to survive without the water, especially you know, up north and uh, and uh, and that uh, a lot of elders are uh, all very vulnerable and. Uh, they had. They, they made that decision. Mm. We're we have to leave. Yeah. No, chief. You mentioned the contractors. You know, and this is twenty five years now going in. Uh, what are some of the the, the challenges or problems or, or uh, dealing with contractors? You know, like because they 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 bid on these RFPs, requests for proposals from ISK. You know, from government, and they're awarded. Can you explain some of the the challenges going forward dealing with contractors and uh, what's our next step to fix it? Well, initially, uh, when we, uh, we we were forced to take the lowest bidders because of the system that uh, we have to work under, like you know, we don't always agree with uh, who should be the uh, who should be the contractor, and you know, uh, the the work started off with uh, eight point eight million dollars, and uh, now it has 
gone up to uh, over 16 million. And, uh, and, and that's the thing, you know, it was just uh, like we don't have the, uh, the uh, proper people in the community with the proper designation. And, uh, and, uh, and that's, where, that's where the problem is. And uh, it's hard to trust people. And that's one of the things, that's one of my demands is, you know, I want to I put, put an end to this. And I want to make sure that not only my community, but other communities are, uh, can, can address those things. You know, uh, I've demanded an investigation to all the, to all the uh, engineers and contractors, uh, you know, the way they conduct business. Uh, that, that's, I demanded that, and I was uh, given a letter by ISC that, that they have supported that demand and it's just a matter of uh you know uh, developing a tor terms of reference and uh you know i will i will also need advice advice on that mm-hmm. so i will need uh, yeah i will need somebody like you know your office or even uh, other uh, offices that are allies to us yeah. to uh to help us no yeah. we definitely look so it's basically quality control for the contractors and putting together an advisory yeah. team in place to look at proper terms of reference you mentioned something yeah. there that's going to have an impact right across canada uh, you know, when we start talking about water treatment plants and water treatment plant operators, uh, about having people with proper credentials. And, and I gave the example uh, to some uh, of, of the INAC ISC officials <coughs> about the issue really is recruitment and retention and training and capacity. Because uh, a little black bear, for example, our, our water treatment plant operator would get the training, but then we couldn't keep him because he would make... W- twice as much money in the town and the local town close to the reserve. So they would leave us constantly. So we were constantly left without people in the community, without the capacity or training credentials to work in the water treatment plant. So you mentioned that as well. Is that something you've, you've seen in your, in, in Nishkanaga as one of the challenges to deal with? Even I was told when this, when they started, you know, we have trained water treatment plant operators, but we don't have the uh, proper uh, funding. To keep them there mm-hmm. some, uh, sometimes, and uh, and I'm told that you know because of uh, lack of qualifications of my my water treatment plant operators, then I demanded that you know you provide me qualified professional water treatment plant operator. You you're gonna house them. You're gonna pay for them. And I hope that I get that. Mm-hmm. And I did I did get an indication in my last meeting yesterday that it will be. That's approved. awesome, Chief. That's good work again because that's. That's precedent setting an impact for all First Nations that have water treatment plants. You know, capacity building, proper training. Um, you know, government has an obligation to make sure that there is proper training in place and proper housing in place for them in yeah. the isolated community. So that's uh, good work there. So, so that, that yeah, that's uh, that's that's what I asked for. So, you know, they they can provide somebody up to uh, five to ten years and uh, provide the training to uh, our local uh, local water plant operators. No, that's good movement. You know, a lot of our listeners will think that, wow, northern Ontario, there's a lot of lakes, there's a lot of clean water, a lot of clear water up in the, you know, fresh water in the north. And they're, you know, but we take, uh, people in the south will take clean water for granted. You know, just turn on their taps, it's there. And in the north, it's not like that. Why is it so difficult, you know, to get water up and running up in, in Nishkana, up in the north? Why is it so challenging? I think, I think it's because of the... Uh... I find that the reason why is because of the it's a lack of will, lack of political will, not because of the uh, we have uh, access to uh, to a to clean water to a clean lake nearby. I mean, I go I go hunting, I go fishing, and I go uh, camping there, and I'm able to uh, drink water from the lake. But it's just uh, you know it just doesn't I just can't do that in my uh, house, and and as a as a citizen. 
in this country, I deserve that. I deserve that right to have clean drinking water coming from my tap, just like anybody else in this country. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Chief, next week, there's our 71st Nations Water Symposium happening, and it's a virtual water summit. And part of the agenda and part of the program is that we're going to have two ministers of the Crown part of that agenda. One of them is Minister of Indigenous Affairs, Mark Miller, and the other one is Minister of Infrastructure, Catherine McKenna. So they're going to both be there. What's your message to them as Chief Chris Monias from Nishkandaga? the 25-year boil water advisory in his community. What's your message to these ministers of the Crown? Well, my message has been always consistent. Let's work together. Let's decide together step by step, not, not, not uh, being pushed to, uh, to accept things that, uh, that we don't need. Our community understands what it needs. And uh, in terms of uh, infrastructure, you know, that... Uh, you know, let, let's have the uh, qualified people in there and let's have them uh, make sure that they're accountable, accountable to the uh, the whole uh, process, the whole, like, you know, from uh, from the bidding and from to uh, to the construction, you know, do, 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 do that, that, that's what we require. And that's what we always want. And let's not only focus on Nishkanaga. There's other communities that are suffering. I'm not only doing it for Nishkanaga, I'm doing it for other communities. Well, Chief, that's a good message to the two ministers of the Crown. So we've talked about issues of capacity building, qualified training, recruitment retention of proper water treatment plant operators. Uh, we've talked about the necessity to hold contractors to account. And even the lowest bidder for these public contracts don't always use quality materials. And there's got to be a, a better terms of reference. So you've talked about a process to review that. Uh, we have our... Our, our water um, symposium next week. And then we have this COVID-19 all around us. And uh, with all these challenges around us, what gives you hope? It's just the way that I, uh, I, I do things myself. Is, uh, those challenges are real. I'm not making stuff up. And I know 100%. I gave it every day 100%. 100% and, and I talk to the, uh, the young people here, the, the youth, the, you know, they're getting educated. I've never seen so many uh, grade 12 graduates. I've never, I've never seen so many uh, community people trying to get their post-secondary, you know. Um, that's hope for me. It's a powerful statement. Looking at our young people, like they're, they're starting to find their way in this world. Grade 12s, trying to go on to post-secondary. Uh, you know, a few years ago, I was in Nishkanaga with uh, Grand Chief yeah. Alvin Fiddler. And we, we spent that, yeah. a, a yeah. night in the community. And at that time, there was hope at that time, a few years ago, that the water situation was resolved. And, uh, you know, and there was working with government, putting pressure on government, Carolyn Bennett at the time. And uh, we stayed in the community. And we made the commitment yeah. at that time that we're going to come back to Nishkanda to take a shower because we couldn't drink the water or shower that time in the, in the local place where we were staying. So... We still have to, to keep pushing and working with you because I want to come yeah. back to Nishkandaga when this water situation is resolved so we can uh, drink the water from the tap and taking a proper shower at the local place to stay. Yeah, hopefully we can uh, have you up uh, when the water is resolved uh, sooner than uh, later. For sure. Yeah. Chief, now that you've yeah. talked to the government, um, is there a time frame where you think this will get fixed, where you can take your people back from Thunder Bay back to Nishkandaga? Well, I'm hoping to uh, at least go back before Christmas. But uh, we, we, I mean, we we have a set of the match. We're we're sticking by it, and uh, we're not we're not going to waver. We're, we're 
we're, we're just going to keep on pushing. Okay. Until we get our demands, until, until they tell us that, you know, a lot of your demands are being met and that, you know, uh, they will continue to be met. Well, Chief Munias, again, thank you for your strength, for your courage, for your leadership, uh, you know, yeah. for uh, doing what you can, because it's not only affects uh, Nishkanaga First Nations. We have over 61 yeah. boil water advisories across Canada. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, putting pol- proper policy procedures in place, making sure yeah. the government has their, their legal fiduciary trust obligation. And uh, to all of our listeners, this is going on 25 years. And it, yeah. it's not right in a, in a rich country like Canada that uh, Nishkanaga residents can't uh, even go home because there's still the boil water advisory after 25 years. So, Chief, any last comments? Yeah, Miigwech. Uh, I just want to say that, you know, I wouldn't be able to do this without the result of my community, of my nation. So they're giving you that strength support and uh, also providing a lot of hope for the future. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, thank you, Chief Monias, for coming on the Akamemuk Podcast. Thank you. And I want to thank all the people for listening to the Akamemic Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Give us a rating and tell your friends about us on social media. And as always, we want to give a big shout out to the Red Dog Singers of the Treaty 4 Territory in Southern Saskatchewan for providing our theme music. Until next time, I'm Perry Belgard, National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations. <laughs>